This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance. I am the lead pastor here. I am joined by my good friend and fellow elder here at Cornerstone, Jacob Varghese. Jacob, it's good to have you back on Equip. How are you doing, brother? I'm well, man. I'm well. And a couple things before I jump in there, Mark, I wanted to thank you for that 40 seconds that you shared on KCCI, that blast of fame that you received. And I'm telling you ahead of time, if the Emmy folks don't call, I'm blaming Russian interference, man. That was fantastic. <laughs> thank fantastic you, Jacob. Job. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then obviously this is a live and uncensored double V, double V, double the fun. I know. And- double the V's, double the fun, always. That's right. And so uh, for any of our any of our friends and listening audience, Mark has indicated he'll buy new t-shirts with the double V logo out of his private funds. It's true. It's true. Send Jacob and I an email. Varghese <laughs> and Vance. We, we've right. thought about taking this on the road. Yeah, I'm telling there, there you, Jacob, the KCCI interview would have looked better with you and me both there. I, I'm not, I don't want to get into it, but they they pointed, like my face at that point when they put the camera on me, was straight into the blazing sun. I mean, not a cloud in the sky. And I'm thinking, I told the camera guy, I'm like, do I look like I'm squinting right now? I could not open my eyes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, yeah. From that side, Dr. Jones was obviously a little bit more prepared for it because he had his glasses on and a hat on and turtleneck on. I was like, that guy is ready for any weather conditions that are coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully... When we record here on the Equip Podcast, no weather involved. We're on Zoom right now talking to Jacob, and both of us are uh, excited for the conversation in part because part of the kind of purpose of the Equip Podcast, when we put it together, was we realized we have the preaching of Cornerstone, which is like, we think of it as the vitamins, the meat and potatoes, solid diet of God's Word that builds us as a healthy body. But then we also have just the need to wrestle through questions of how do I parent my kids? What do I do there? Where the voice of our elders, we felt like this gave us a way to, I don't know, we could think of it as like delivering medicine. You don't live off medicine, but it's really helpful. And so one of the things that helps that process is giving the chance for our church to meet some of the leaders and hear a little more of the background of just their story, their faith. And so Jacob, I have been going through several of the elders and I'm now up with you on our five leadership questions for an elder at Cornerstone. So here we go, question number one. And this is what I start out with, with everybody. I think this is a great story for you, Jacob. How did you come to faith in Christ? Excellent, excellent. Um, Mark, do you, do you know how I even came to Iowa? I, I suspect it's connected to Iowa State, but I'm not sure on that. That's, that's right, that's right. And maybe, maybe I'd have to rewind and uh, even talk about how my family even came to America. And as a lot of people know, um, my family is originally from India. And um, Mark, are you familiar with the immigration motto? Are you familiar with that term? No, huh? So long story short, uh, a family member or a friend in, in the host country will host... Uh, basically sponsor 
a couple or a single person from another country. And basically they're saying that guy, when he comes here, we will take care of him financially or we'll help him find a job so he doesn't become wayward out here. And then they're just kind of put into an immigration lottery system and your number gets pulled and a green card number option comes up. And that that person comes to America, spends X amount of years here and then goes through the immigration process, right? And so I had a great uncle that uh, lived in North Carolina for 50 years before I was born. And uh, as a side note, now that I think about it, he married uh, a white woman that looks like Alice from Brady Bunch, <laughs> which, from Brady which Bunch? is in, in consequential information, but I thought I'd throw that in there. That and is so, a great uh, image to have there, though. There it is. The Brady friend. Bunch and, uh, Alice. Exactly. <laughs> and so uh, he ended up uh, sponsoring my mother to come to America. And so my mother came to America. She actually came through Canada, and so we have some family members there, then came into America, and then got arranged to my father. And uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I then came to Iowa State to, to get my degree. I was born in Illinois, and, uh, and so to any of our uh, V listeners, I can at some point run for president, but I probably won't. And so mm-hmm. as far as that goes, yes, thank you, sir. And then I came to Iowa State, and a series of events uh, involving a girl got me here to Cornerstone, and uh, Paul Sabino actually introduced me to Christ. And uh, Paul walked me through the ideas in Romans 1, where uh, we consistently are perpetual idol makers, and that reality broke me. And that was uh, 2002, and so 18 years now I've been here at Cornerstone. No, thankful uh, for God's work in your life. Thankful you're here, Jacob. And so where did you meet Jamie, your wife? When does she come in the picture here? So um, Jamie actually grew up in a small town near here in Story City, Iowa. And we met through the post-college ministry at Cornerstone, which coincidentally I led now that I think about it. But I didn't I didn't do that for that purpose. I need you to believe me, man. I didn't yeah, go well, looking for a wife by leading this ministry. All right? That and, was uh, exactly the follow-up question you anticipated was, at what point when you as a single man began leading the post-college ministry, did you think about your marital prospects? Correct. It didn't go through my head at all, quote-unquote. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so sooner or later, I met Jamie and uh, Mark, you know my wife. She's a very steady personality, a beautiful gal, very clear thinker, extremely bright, very kind to others, a, a strong rule follower. And uh, those qualities have just proven to be such a blessing to me and this marriage and our family. And our children have this great role model. They know they're loved and they know they're always pushed to be their best. And And then there's me. <laughs> and let's let's face it, in light of the great list of qualities that Jamie brings to the table, I bring the cafe mocha and uh, <laughs> and then the cliff drops off severely from there. And so as far as that goes, we have uh, we have three great kids. Uh, our oldest uh, is over at Ames Middle School. Um, my son in the middle is at Fellows and he's in fifth grade and our youngest daughter Priya is in fourth grade. Okay, so Jacob, you mentioned the family. I want to go there because I love your kids. I mean, they're delight. Our kids have a ton of fun together. And I love how you and Jamie lead in your home together. And so as a dad, Kenneth, what are some of those critical principles that you guys have tried to embrace in your home as you're trying to lead and to love and to just help your family to honor Christ? Uh, Mark, in in all seriousness, man, that is that is such a kind and encouraging thing to say. I I don't get into it much, but I had a 
I had a very fractured relationship with my father. You know, he was a he was a hard worker and therefore always working. And when he was at home, he had a, a quick fuse. And so we didn't spend a lot of time with each other. And most of that time was really tense, you know. And so like it or not, inevitably, I find myself handling my interactions with my children just differently than my dad did, you know. And so I try to look at things uh, kind of as an overview of how, Father JV is and husband JV, you know, and so as a dad, uh, even from the womb, I tell my children every day that they're loved, you know, and I tell them how intelligent they are, that to be kind to other, others, that they're destined for greatness. And I don't know if they're going to grow up to be flutists, Mark, but if they're going to be flutists, play that flute as great as they can that's for the glory right, of man. God. You know, that's what I tell them. <laughs> and so then from there, I throw in a ton of hugs, a ton of kisses, tickle sessions when necessary, you know, and uh, when I mess up, I ask for forgiveness, you know, and uh, those are those are just things that I feel are necessary in, in my own actions, you know. And so then number two, as a husband, Everything I said about my wife earlier, I need to make sure my children hear that. I know that uh, my father, again, not to slam my dad, who's no longer with us, um, but he didn't make it a habit to honor my mother in front of me. And so it became easier for me, to, me and my brother, to disrespect her. And, uh, you know, obviously I've asked for her forgiveness and that, but that's something I regret even still as an adult, you know, and um, and so... In reference to Jamie, I'll hug her, I'll kiss her, I'll take her on dates. We have uh, consistent discussions about how we spend our money and how we invest things. And uh, I want my children to see the love and friendship I have with my wife. And I think that they are more secure in their own identity because of the friendship and love they see between my wife and I. And so that's that I would say. Those principles are important. And then again, finally, um, Mark, it's not about us, man, you know, and I, so I tell our children uh, that they're put in this world to be a light in the lives of others, you know, and if that means serving at Cornerstone or in the community or abroad, sometimes you have to decrease so others increase. And so I would say the biggest principle that I would give to anybody who's a parent is uh, be aware of how powerful your words and your actions are to your children. Man, that is, that is a good word, Jacob, and, and lived well. Now, the next question I have for you, it, I'm going to take a hard left turn from parenting to the principle of how we arrange a marriage. And so <laughs> you and I have talked about this. And as dads, I will say this transparently to anyone out there. I'm not saying that we should arrange marriages anymore. I'm just saying, Jacob, if you and I got together and we thought this through for our children— I'm still not convinced that it wouldn't be a better decision that the hormonal 22-year-old is going to, you know, I just yes. wonder, how did we choose to invest the youngest and least experienced of us to have a mythical love match that will settle the rest of their life? How did we arrive that this is the I, best true. way? It and really it, was, it was so helpful to me because your parents were arranged and you come out of an Indian family background where that was more normative. So I want yeah. you, we've talked about this, explain how does an arranged marriage work and why actually has that been a method that other cultures have used? Excellent. And I'm glad you mentioned other cultures because it is the norm for thousands of marriages every year all over this world. You know what I mean? And um, we talked about uh, the Planet of the Apes last time you and I spoke. Have you ever seen Fiddler on the Roof? 
Phenomenal, yes, wonderful offer if you ever get a chance. Uh, if you remember, uh, Yenta tells Golda that she was she has selected the butcher, Lazar Wolf, uh, as a match for Seidel, you know, and everyone is overjoyed except for Seidel. And Seidel <laughs> doesn't want to be married to a 64-year-old butcher. It's that Shocking, conversation. Right. <laughs> that's right. That conversation has happened a hundred times over, all over the world, right? And so um, basically what happens. Sometimes parents will get matchmakers involved, just like in Fiddle of the Roof. And other, other times it's just parents of the uh, gal meet up with the parents of the potential groom, you know. And then they basically just go down a checklist. And um, this isn't written down, but it's basically an acronym that has helped me remember these kind of things. First thing is like uh, letter A. A, B, C, D, E, F, G is what it is. The letter A is usually for age, and they're trying to make sure that the ages are somewhat compatible so the Lazar Wolf problem doesn't happen, you know what I mean? And and so, like, imagine a seven-year difference maximum between a boy and a girl. Okay. And okay. depending on which religion you're in in India, sometimes they'll have this um, betrothal happen when the child is super young and consummate it when they are... 18, 20 years old, you know what I mean? And so their arranged marriages sometimes will start, that conversation starts very early on sometimes. Um, A lot of times though, it's as they get a little bit older, then they have these dialogues. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. And then uh, B is beauty. And so, uh, Mark, if you have five teeth and one eye, don't assume you'll marry Miss Iowa. You know, that's <laughs> that's just how that math works, right? Uh, and then uh, C, uh, and, and the reason I mention that is, to be blunt, if you have, like, a leg missing, very likely your wife will probably have an appendage missing wow. also. You know what I mean? And the, the thing is, they're, they're aiming to try to keep in mind that boy with one leg has faced a specific set of hardships in this world and probably would know how to engage a wife that dealt with the same kind of hardships. Oh, that's fascinating. Does that make sense? And there's, it's, there's a little bit, compa- they're just looking for compatibility pieces, right? Yeah, it's and not so, just pure superficiality. It's, it's exactly. actually based on a compatibility set. Wow, fascinating. That's right. Uh, it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt you if you're a good-looking dude, though. That's all. I'm, I'm just saying that as a, a side note, you know. And uh, and then there's C uh, is your character, and so basically your reputation in the community. If you are the town drunk, you probably will remain single. You know what I mean? And and so in that umbrella, they also include what religion you are and where you land financially and where you land socially. And as you know, India for thousands and thousands of years has had a caste system in place uh, that the Hindu majority has kept there for a while. And are you familiar with the caste system? Yeah, roughly, roughly. I, I don't, I couldn't, I don't think I could name them all off, but I'm aware of there's a pretty defined hierarchy and you don't jump between them well. That's right. That's exactly right. And so uh, basically there, if you can imagine the uh, god in the Hindu mythology, uh, Brahma, uh, Brahma's body, just like standard guy, uh, his head uh, and his intelligence and, um, you know, the academics, the priestly people were the Brahmins. And so that's the the head. And they have another caste to associate with, with the arms, uh, with the legs. The legs would be the laboring class, you know, and the fifth element on the bottom that imagine the pedestal that Brahma is standing on would be where the untouchables are. And so it, wow. depending on where you land, uh, 
you, if you're a Brahmin, you're going to very likely be placed in a caste arranged marriage with another family member that has a Brahmin in it. If you're the Kshatriyas or the Vaishyas, it depends on where you land in that social stratification, but you're not going to be jumping up and down. And it's usually based on their belief that you ended up in the untouchable class because of a lifetime of something that you've done in a previous life. And to pair uh, my Brahmin son with your Dalit daughter, that would be absolutely unheard of. Uh, The caste system exists, uh, but as you'll hear me say a second time here shortly, uh, it is... The government tries to make sure that it isn't enforced in such a way where the lowest class don't have uh, representation. There was a time back 40, 50 years ago where, and I know we're adults here, and so I'm trying not to be uh, risque about it, but it would be very common practice where a Brahmin would uh, sexually assault a Dalit woman, an untouchable woman, and the woman would have no recourse in the criminal justice system because that was an action brought upon her by 200 years of whatever happened in the past. Uh, thankfully, that that paradigm is changing and uh, the untouchable class is getting more access to education and getting more access to being represented in the U.S., in the Indian government, you know, and even a couple of years ago, they actually had an Indian president that was from the untouchable class. And a hundred years ago, that would never have happened, you know, and so all all that to be said, uh, once you're in one class, you're not going to get out of it. And so that's C. And then D is the dowry. And that's that really is kind of the craziest part of this whole conversation. Um, basically, dowry is uh, in the form of money or in kind like livestock. Uh, money is transferred from the bride's side of the family to the husband's side of the family. And I don't know if the Indian government is listening. It wouldn't surprise me because double V is worldwide. It's um, true. The Big dowry, <laughs> that's right. The dowry system is illegal in India. Uh, it is in India and it's illegal because I don't, I, most people wouldn't know this, but there's a lot of violence and harassment and such attached with the dowry system. For instance, Imagine, uh, not to make things awkward, but imagine Elia and Owen. These are the conversations that yeah, would happen. Right, right. Um, Owen's parents would at one time communicate to Elia's parents that they want X amount of dollars. They would then either fork over the cash if they have it, or they would risk the possibility of publicly being shamed. And so to avoid being publicly shamed, they would track down the cash. And if they couldn't track down the cash, Owen's family sometimes would harass them or even violently attack them, you know what I mean? And and so in 2020, dowries are illegal, but that wow. doesn't stop people from transferring anything from a goat to a gold nugget to hundreds of thousands of dollars from one side of the family to the other. Wow, that is it's fascinating. Crazy, isn't it? That's fascinating. Uh, and then E is education. If I have a bachelor's degree, the gal will very likely have a bachelor's degree. If I have a PhD, they would have a postgraduate degree of some sort. Uh, F is family. Uh, if you're fantastic, but all your brothers are bank robbers, this family isn't going to connect with you. you know. And, and so to answer your original question, these matchmakers and parents, they set it all up, you know, and there's an industry in India where just like the want ads that you have in the newspaper here in America, you can open up matrimonial ads that basically say uh, family of uh, Christian 
American uh, raised Indian boy seeking American raised Indian girl. Just just breaking it down exactly like that. And what they're doing is they are trying to compare compatibilities and trying to find like like areas between the two just my very much like an e-harmony commercial you know they're just trying to find the areas where things are compatible and the difference here in america as you know is that the average american uses a different set of variables in america they have these romantic feelings that they have towards their partner which you know i use air quotes for the double v audience you know it's i don't i don't disagree that romantic feelings are important but that is usually like the highest variable that they're paying attention to or the security that they feel when the person has some money uh, or if the person is hot or not. You know what I mean? Those those variables are that's usually what they'll build a foundation of a marriage on. Whereas um, if you use your emotions to guide those decisions, the Bible even says, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things, you know, and what these guys are doing, on the other hand, are trying to find real black and white data pieces that they can build foundation on. And then that arranged marriage process has happened for hundreds and hundreds of years all over the world. And, and the divorce rate mark in India is like less than 10%. I want to say even less than 5%, which is, Oh, that's incredible. Which is ridiculous compared to what it is in America at this point. So, Jacob, were you and Jamie arranged? <laughs> no, and I'm 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 actually I'm actually very glad that I'm not with whomever my mother would have thought would have been a good fit for me. <laughs> and so, no, that's not how that played out. And I, you know, I um, my mother she she knew I grew up here in America, and she knew all all of my Indian friends, all of my Indian friends, all my Indian relatives. They were all arranged, and I had. Uh, considered uh, not getting arranged and dating an American gal. And I thought that was going to get a lot of tension uh, and a lot of opposition for my family. But Jamie clicked on really well with my mother and my family, and it's turned out to be a huge blessing. Yeah. Praise God. That's awesome. Okay. Jacob, you don't have to go deep into it, but I want to ask you top three spiritual influences, people who've shaped your faith, and why would you put them in the top? Great. Um, let's see. Right after Paul Sabino introduced me to Christ, he, t- he mentioned that, uh, hey, I know all your friends are drunks. If you continue to hang out with them, you know, you're just going to get shipwrecked. You should probably get into a connection group. And the first connection group that had any opening for me at the time was Dodge, Jeff Dodge's connection group. And so I have to start there. You know, I wow. spent four or five years in that guy's house. You know, he, uh, he guided me and a group of other young guys from a study from Genesis to Revelation, and that introduced me to so much nuance in the Bible that I would never have had otherwise, you know, and I got a chance to watch how he engages others as a husband, as a father. I learned a ton from him, and I, I, I will always recognize that as a huge, huge shaping influence in my life. Um, Number two, uh, my mother, you know, uh, we had just talked this weekend about missionaries and so forth. Uh, The southwestern corridor where my family is from has a a fairly large Christian population, and my mother grew up in a Christian home. And uh, so my mother introduced me to the Bible and set the groundwork for my understanding of the Bible. And she would have Bible quizzes for me when I was a kid, and that that really, really has helped me and shaped my understanding of the Word. over time through Cornerstone and probably from Dodge's influence, um, 
I met John Piper, you know, not physically, but through his books. And uh, I remember uh, a phrase that he wrote about how God is most glorified in when we are most uh, satisfied in him. And after studying that quote and Piper further, Mark, I find that I probably lean a bit reformed. And so all the ballers, Tim, Tim Keller, Packer, R.C. Sproul, all those guys are just fantastic reads. And they, I feel like I align with a good chunk of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, if I can add a fourth person, as a matter of fact. Do it. Go for it. Um, I don't know if Alex Tuckness is hearing this, um, but Alex uh, has been a friend of mine for 15 years. And we have incredibly different backgrounds and uh, even current life experience. You know, uh, Alex and Anastasia don't have children. My wife and I have three. Uh, He's in academia. I work with horses. You know, our lives are as different as it could be. But uh, I love how much of a clear thinker Alex is. And uh, he's a godly, godly guy. And he's been an accountability partner for me with me for 15 years now. And his steady presence in my life has helped me see the world differently and in better ways through his influence. And I, I, I love that he doesn't pull punches. If I've messed up as a man or as a husband, he'll tell me so. And I, I really respect that. Mm, it's a tremendous. All right. So Jacob, last question of the day is yeah. what are you praying for as an elder? As you look at Cornerstone Church, as we're headed into 2021 together, what are you praying for Cornerstone, Jacob? That's a good one, Mark. Um, I would say uh, I've prayed a lot about unity. Uh, The world has enough brokenness in it uh, for us to not be unified under the banner of Christ. Uh, Restoration. I think that 2021 could be potentially a great year, you know, based on vaccinations and sort eventually we'll pull out of the COVID cave and hopefully that'll bring relationships uh, together again. And I I pray for restoration a lot. Um, As you know, there's a lot of brokenness, even in our church, marriage, uh, racism problems, Mm -hmm. uh, all these things, they they exist, you know what I mean? And and so restoration is something I pray about often. And and I know that friends of mine are listening to this, but even if you consider COVID or my my father-in-law's cancer or my daughter's type 1 diabetes, I believe in my heart that if Jesus would come back, all of that would go away. Yeah, and so amen. come Lord Jesus is always a prayer. Yeah. Well, Jacob, there is a, there's a good landing place right there. As the, as the church is, Jesus, let us be faithful to your return, but uh, it'd be great if you'd come again soon, right? What, what a That's day. That's right. Jacob, love you. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for spending the time with us. And thanks to all of you listening. And I hope it gives you, again, just a chance to get to know some of the elders that God's called to lead here at Cornerstone. And as we walk with you, it's just a privilege. And Jacob, it's a privilege to, to lead alongside you, brother. Same, my friend. Thank you so much. 